episode 52 of talking Tara rob um there's a bit of a consistent theme i'm in another european capital beginning with b uh actually in Bern, and i've still not watched very much of torino this season so i don't really know why i'm here but and the other thing is in the there's a bust in the um reception to the hotel i'm in of um albert einstein and i think you need einstein levels of brand power um to work out how to get on the wi-fi in this hotel as well but i've managed i'm here i'm no even less than normal about what's going on with torino but um i guess uh there's been a couple of matches we'll come on to that maybe in the second part and we'll just talk a bit about the um calcio mercato and i'm just going to throw it out there rob out of the 10 what are you giving toro's performance this summer now i'd say i'd give it a seven uh, given the rumours that were floating around on Tuesday and Wednesday and and potentially ruined my uh, trip to South Wales, um, it probably could have been a three or a four, given the um, the talk about Alessandro Bongiorno uh, potentially leaving the club. But I think there's... there's 17, some... million, 17 million for a player you didn't rate. I didn't, ra- I, I, didn't, I didn't rate this this point last season. That's the thing. That's I've totally changed my mind. I'm allowed to change my opinion on him, thankfully. Um but yeah, I'll, well, I'll get I'll get that out of the way at the, at the first point. It, I mean, we are almost only the only reason. I think we would have had a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I would have been very, very uh, angry. It would be a very different part. Um, had obviously Bonjourno accepted the transfer, we sort of almost reliant on the fact that he's a a, a Toro fan, came through the academy, and maybe a, maybe the first real genuine sort of Toro uh, icon where he's actually turned down a move for a. a a team who are playing in Europe would have been more money, a better sort of project, you would think, with a team with with a little bit of ambition, which uh, is something we we discussed on the on the last podcast about the lack of ambition about about Toro in recent seasons. Um, so yeah, I think it, the the uh, the even notion of potentially selling a player who signed a new contract in the summer, uh, Juric uh, spoke about at the end of last season as being the only unsellable piece of the Torino puzzle to then less than two months later look at potentially selling is ridiculous and only something that Torino could look at doing it's it's the the act of a very unserious football club um and yeah it's I'm not actually going to give them and I'm quite I'm quite a um I wouldn't say it was a, a Cairo fan I wouldn't go that that strong, strong at it, but I'm not as harsh. You're a Cairo fanboy. I'm not. I'm definitely not as harsh as critic, but um, nobody would have come out of that transfer well from a club perspective. Cairo, especially Vanyati, definitely, and even Juric. Juric, you, uh, for somebody who sort of maybe prides himself as being an honourable guy, he would have had the last um, sort of decision on that transfer. And for him to approve the 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 transfer of Bongiorno for again, it no no issue with Atalanta. That I think I think the fee was reasonable, but this is a player who in the last sort of especially the last four or five months of the season last year, sort of went from somebody who I yeah criticised quite heavily, didn't particularly rate, um, to then being our player of the season, and making his debut for Italy, and you could see that progress. And Juric talked about it a lot. Why would you sell him at this point? Just almost as a panic because nobody else wants any other player, and you need to make a little bit of money to make some changes elsewhere. And I'll be honest, like, I mean, we've gone on to sign Zapata, and that's probably one of the reasons for the higher mark. 
but he's 32. Like, it's such a short-term uh, sort of pot- potential transfer. And I know I can't, I can't really talk too much about it because it didn't actually happen, but that is just purely because Bongiorno turned down the move. If Bongiorno had accepted it, if it was any other player, if it was... I, again, I don't think there would have been these, say it was Shears or, or whoever, there wouldn't have been that emotional attachment. So I probably would have thought, oh, okay, say it was say it was Shears for 25 million uh, plus Soppy on loan plus Zapata. I wouldn't have really, I wouldn't have really been that bothered. I thought, yeah, it's a, it's a fair fair move. I'd expected maybe some uh, signings in areas that we actually need, like a left wing back and a, a Frey Quartista, but uh, I wouldn't have been as furious as I was sort of last, sort of maybe when the news was breaking maybe sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, this was a serious proposition. I mean, I think you, you might have even texted me to say Bongiorno uh, is on is off and I was sort of like, well, that's got to be a rumour, but it was like pretty, pretty far down the line. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, to answer the question, it's a seven, it could have been a four. Um, I just genuinely do not know what they were thinking of. Uh, and I think they're very lucky um, that Bongiorno sort of turned down the move. Yeah, I mean, quite a lot for the first time, Kyra and Vaniati didn't read the room. Um, I think you're a little bit worried because our friend Mesa is is walking around airport lounges um, or terminal gates with the, with a beautiful, pristine glass trophy that we've funded to give Alessandro Bongiorno as, as talking to our player of the year. And you were very worried that one of us would have to go over to, to the, the, the mist of Bergamo and, and, and give it to him. On the personal level, I'm not sure he's worth 17 million as a footballer, but as a, I think what he represents as a person and as a player in his backstory with uh, with with Torino, um, makes a huge difference. And I think there was a big emotional pull um, on the fourth of May when he read the names at Superga as well. He kind of really identified himself as the unofficial captain of the club. So I agree with you in the sense, in terms of the symbolism behind it, it would have just felt a bit like a panic sale, an unnecessary sale. It's almost shooting Bambi. Um, like you said, if we got a decent price for for Schurz, who will come onto the squad a little bit, but uh, who's someone I think probably needs another another season at Torino anyway, it, it would have been a little bit different. But I think it was fairly unanim- unanimous from what I saw of people really happy he stayed. The other thing is it felt like for a while we weren't going to get Soppy and Zapata unless Bongiorno went. So there was a sense that, well, we do, we've we got ourselves into a corner wanting these two players in. And the, if the only way is, is selling Bambi, then um, then that might be something we've got to swallow. But And then just to say on Zapata for me, yeah, he's 32. Um, his injury record the last couple of seasons really isn't great, but... I don't think I don't think there's too much short termism in the Torino squad. And I don't think it matters occasionally just to have some players who, let's say, will get 18 months out of him or two seasons out of him. I don't think it what's the average lifespan of a player at Torino anyway? It's it's three seasons. It's um so if you get a couple of good seasons out of Zapata, I'm not sure. I think we've got enough players who can have a resale value that you can bring someone who's a bit older. And a bit more experience, but anyway, we'll, 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 we'll talk about the squad a little bit. Um, maybe let's break down, break down the areas, and you can tell me. Well, we can we can decide where we're stronger, where we're weaker than last season. Um, goalkeeper, I mean, there's much to say there. Yeah, so it's the same. So yeah, I think I mean, I think the interesting thing maybe just to mention quickly is the fact that we signed Mihai Popper 
um, to potentially be second uh, choice. Might be the first goalkeeper who's gone on to a Retiro or gone to a pre-season uh, training camp rather and has actually made, moved from second choice to third choice rather than second choice to fir- uh, first choice. I don't think he's impressed people a lot. So I think Jamelo is the second choice and Popper will be the third choice. So a little bit strange that maybe they didn't look at loaning him out to a, to a Serie B club or maybe a, a, a club back in Romania, but um, yeah, any hope that he will be somebody challenging uh, Milinkovic Savic uh, is probably a bit misguided. Although I think Milinkovic Savic actually had quite a bright start to the season. Two clean sheets out of his first three games. And obviously, we'll go, we'll go on to talk about the Milan and Genoa games a little bit later on. Yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed Jamelo didn't leave on loan as well. I think he needs football and just, just kind of rusting away in the Torino bench. And I think if Fania was to get injured... I had my doubts about either of those goalkeepers being able to step up. So personally, I might have loaned them both out and bought, I don't know, a more experienced understudy in. But yeah, I agree, agree with what you're saying. Uh, wing backs, this is where we needed a massive overhaul. The, so we have four, Vojvoda uh, Lazzaro, help me out a bit here, Soppi and Bellanova. So three, well, two of them technically were there last season, two new arrivals. Um, the elephant in the room, not a single one of them is an actual left back. I mean, they all probably either prefer playing at right back or a better at right back. I do not understand why we didn't bring in, uh, why we have this kind of Achilles heel of not signing a proper left back. Um, so yeah, I think we're potentially a little bit stronger than, than last season. Um, because I think the quality of the players who've come in, if we can keep Lazaro fit, is a bit higher. But I don't think we've entirely got what we needed there. I'm not sure whether to to potentially blame Juric for this as well, because again, he's getting a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a rough time for me on this pod. But I mean, he he said quite publicly that the player he wanted as a left wing back was almost like a younger Christian Ansaldi. Um, well, Ansaldi is a well, I believe he's right-footed. He was sort of both-footed, but predominant foot was right. He was right-footed, uh, but he, he always he had a strong left foot, so he could sort of trick a defender so he wouldn't know which way he was going. Um, so that sort of does um, almost limit your options when you, your coach is asking for a left a left wing back who isn't actually left left-footed. So I, I think maybe that's where I, I think Lazaro will be the will be the backup uh, left wing back, and I think I think Voivoda again. He just flatters to deceive so much. I think actually I'd feel a lot more comfortable with having Lazaro as our starting left wing back and uh, and then Soppy and, and Bellanova on, on the right. Um, I, I wasn't. I was going to mention this, but I'll probably mention it now rather than in the, in the match um, sort of reviews. Um, Bellanova doesn't cross properly. It sounds like a really weird thing to say for somebody who is not a professional footballer. His technique in crossing the ball is possibly one of the strange things I've ever seen. It, it it's almost like he doesn't like hit it with the, the instep. It it always I, I just can't see a scoring for many of his crosses this season. Wait for wait for him to get three assists or something in the next game. But he was a little bit more improved in the Genoa game. But some of the, the technique that he uses to cross the ball is, is really, really strange. Um and yeah, maybe that's something that we could we can eye now. He's got all the physical attributes to be um, a, a good player, I think he. I think he might go on to do well. He's good size and sort of got good recovery pace and and gets in good areas. But even Singo wasn't the most talented crosser of football, not not most technically gifted. But yeah, some of Bellanova's crosses are like they they just loop almost to the to the far post that like nobody nobody in the world is going to be able to get on the end of them. And when you've got 
know a physical target man like Zapata, who's good in the air, I've, you almost automatically not play into, play into his strengths. So, um, yeah, I, again, I, I worry a little bit about Bellanova uh, in that regard and whether Soppy could also, yeah, we might we might see that it's actually going to be Soppy and Lazaro on, on the wings for the for the rest of the season. All right, so centre-half, Bongiorno stay. No one to remind left. I do worry about the bongiorno Scherz rodriguez combination. There's a real lack of pace when the three of them play, um, which you can get away with sometimes, especially when you play in low block. But um, we have made, well, essentially, I just feel like two new signs because David Zima's back and then Sab- <laughs> Sazonov. Um He's a strange-looking chap, isn't he? He looks like he's a he's a bouncer by night, and he's gone on Georgia's Got Talent and and got himself groomed. Um, he might turn out he might be a very likable chap. He might turn out to be a become a Toro legend. Uh, his appearance um, it's not for me, not for me, Clive. Is, so. it, is it the fact that he's got a more a better groomed beard than yourself that is why you don't? Automatically uh, this, like I wouldn't even call it well groomed. It's he can be too well groomed. Um, <laughs> And he he definitely uh, he definitely went to a salon uh, in Mos- in Moscow before he, he uh, before he got he looks, on the plane, didn't he? He looks like an AI Andy Carroll. <laughs> that's that's um, awesome. I, um, the other thing is, three uh, clubs supposed to be the, uh, the other thing is yeah dealing with clubs in Russia. I don't know. Uh, it, it seemed also a transfer that is a bit of a, a anomaly at the moment, but. Because he's born in Russia as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think, uh, he's got, I think he's got one Georgian parent and one Russian parent and was born in Russia, yeah. but plays internationally for Georgia. But we did um, we did beat off the mighty Frosinone for his signature. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I, I have a I'm, funny... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one a... a I think it's worth a, a risk. It's a decent price. He's a good age. Um, already an international. I know, it's, I know it's Georgia, but obviously we've seen... Two caps. Georgia, yeah, Georgian is still an international. Um, but he, well, he's a key member of the under-21 20, squad. And the Georgian and the, Georgia hosted the um, European under-21 championships. He scored in one of the games. And they had some really good results. I think they beat... They might have, somebody's hopefully going to correct me, but I, I believe they beat Belgium or they got a draw against Portugal. They got some really, really good results and made it to the knockout stage of that competition. Um, do we... So, do we, do we... Do we think he was someone not on Vanyati's radar? I know Vanyati went to those championships. He watched a couple of games and decided he liked that player and we were going to sign him. I mean, we do specialise in like random signings between three and five million, don't we? It's, it's kind yeah, of and, unreal. I, I mean, I think I think the idea that it was very very cheap is probably what they um, what they got very excited about. Um, but yeah, but I, I think, think I, I think he he is the sort of player. He's the sort of player that if he'd went to a, a smaller as so I speak, Serie A club like a Frosinone, or he'd gone to a um, Cagliari, or he'd gone to a Bologna or something, and exploded. We'd have been like, "Well, why on earth were we not involved in? Why were we not looking at that sort of signing?" So, I think for the price that he was, it's worth the risk. And um, if he if he goes out to be to be rubbish, then he's still going to retain a little bit of transfer value. Um, and yeah, the fact that he's done it, he, I know, I know, obviously he's he's not going to play many times for the senior side, but under twenty one level, he's doing quite well. Um, yeah, it seems like I. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to put stick my neck out early and say that he he'll be. I think he'll have more of an impact on Torino than David Zima. I think he'll get sent off in one of his first five games. That's all I'll okay. say. There you go. And the the the, the beard won't last. Um, won't last the season. Um, 
But yeah, I think we're probably a bit strong in centre half just by virtue of the progress Bongiorno made and the fact we've not really lost numbers there. Midfield, um, I guess we've made great strides over the last 12 months with Richie and Illich coming in. Um, Illich is, I do wonder if he's someone we can we should push further forward, especially as we've got um, we've got numbers at midfield area. I mean, we're starting the season again with Carol Linetti starting games. Uh, you you can talk a bit more about Genoa game later, but when I saw Tamezi and Linetti in the midfield, I was oh, that's stodgy. And again, we can come on to it a bit later. The lack of creativity in this team, um, Illich for me is going to be. For me, it's the most important player in the squad this season. If he explodes and has a really good season, um, then I think we might be able to push beyond tenth place. But um, we'll see if we can get if we can get the best out of him. I mean, yeah, generally speaking, we're we it's a Tamezi for a Doppo from from last season, really, uh, which makes us yeah we we've got a we've got a few more bodies in there, and then Trey Quartista. I think this is probably the one area where no, I think no, no quietista. I think we should call it well, no quietista. Well, I think we just maybe a little bit light in the in the fact that obviously Moranchuk's not been replaced. Um, do you, then, devil's advocate, do you see us? Do you see us now playing? We've got the option to play Zapata. I don't see Zapata and Pellegrini ever playing together, but Zapata and Sanabria, and then maybe a slight change in formation, and we yeah. don't. I can see that I can see definitely in games that are get at home that we're expected to win the ones we really struggled against last season. So you Empolese, your Speziers, uh, well, obviously no Spezia, but last season uh, we we lost at home to Spezia. Uh, so those sort of games at home against teams that we should be beating, I can see us definitely playing Sanabria and Zapata up front, um, and then also potentially even having Vlasic as a more attacking member of a midfield three. Uh, with maybe uh, Illich and um, Illich and Richie sort of behind him, um, I think that would actually be a really encouraging and, and promising attacking move. Um, I and then and then away from home against yeah your bigger sides or at home against the bigger sides, you've still got the option of, of playing Caramo, uh, Radonjic, um, Vlasic still, and then he, and like I say, even pushing Illich further forward and, and having more. Um, sort of defensive-minded player uh, behind them, so I, I I can see this happening now. That I, I think the fact I think if we'd not got Zapata, I think we'd have gone for a Trequartista and not got a striker. Now we've got a striker. I don't think that that need for for a Trequartista was there as much, given the fact we've already got three. I think Sanabria is quite an intelligent player as well. I think he would drop deeper. He's he's not the worst technically either. Got a South American link there with a the Colombian and a Paraguayan. Um, I know that you actually said that they played the they both played their best football as lone strikers, but again, in the first game, Vlasic was was nominally a, a striker up front with with Zapata. So yeah, I think that's one to look out for. I think it it can't really harm can't really harm having two two players who who potentially are going to be scoring the majority of the goals. Because again, once again, I fear that we're not going to be scoring many goals from from the wing back positions again. Yeah, I can't remember too many games last home games last season where any of the Trequartistas played well. Um. Maybe the exception of Caramel during that little spell he had, but and we were really good away from home towards the end of last season. So the, the kind of formation works there. But I, I kind of like like what you've said for the home matches, and it's also about getting wing backs that can make more of an impact as well. Um, I think Priot may have come 
had he not got injured. But I wouldn't. For me, he's he's a bit one paced. He's not not the sort of player we really needed. Yeah, it would have been good to have another number, but I think Radonjic, Karamo and Sek all have that kind of, especially Radonjic and Karamo have that kind of, they're capable of brilliance, but then they're also capable of um, not doing the basics and, and having some horror shows. Vlasic is very reliable, but he's really not a very creative player. And he's, yeah, he he, he brings you something, but again, he seems to have done a lot of his better work, especially towards the end of last season away from home. So, I think Euro just really got to sort out that puzzle of of that front three, and if he gets it right, like I said earlier, then we may be in for something more than tenth place. But I will go into it in the second half. Eighty nine minutes into the Genoa game, I was not thinking this was season was heading in a particularly positive direction, and it's amazing what a goal does. So we'll see. But yeah, we ready to do a bit of Torpedia before we do. A, well, it'd be a quick review of Milan and Genoa, and, and there will be no preview because there's no game uh, next weekend. But at least, uh, yeah, share, share some thoughts on the first three games of the season, um, which will be more you than me, I suspect. But but yeah, hit, hit, there's always some Torpedia, Rob. No problem. Well, I'm t- I'm two 0 down, so I um have I've picked somebody who I'm hoping will get me a point. But given your encyclopedic knowledge of um, Talk about your Einstein bust in the hotel reception. I think you're the uh, Albert Einstein of, of Taro. So we'll, um, yeah, we'll see how this one goes. So um, he was um, started his career at Juventus, 2001 to 2002. Zero appearances, zero goals. Then made a loan to Varese, 2001 to 2002. 27 appearances, six goals. 2002 to 2003, uh, permanent move to Sampdoria, 21 appearances, two goals. Then a transfer to Palermo, 2003 to 2006, 48 appearances, six goals. Then a loan back to Sampdoria, 2005 to 2006, 39 appearances, five goals. Now, then 2006, 2007, Again, Wikipedia tells me he's back on the books at Juventus, but zero appearances, zero goals. So I think this could have been back in these old uh, co-ownership days. Uh, 2006 to 2007, alone to Parma, 29 appearances and six goals, which was then made permanent. So 2007 to 2008, Parma, 26 appearances, five goals. Uh, 2008, he spent a year at Genoa, 10 appearances, zero goals. And finally, a move to Toro, 2009 to 2012, 69 appearances, two goals. 2012 to 2005 at Monza, 53 appearances, 25 goals. Uh, then ended his career in the lower 53 division. 53 appearances, 25 goals? At Monza, yeah. Um, so basically, a player exploded after leaving Torino. Uh, imagine that. Um 2005 to 2006, again, lower league. So Gianna uh, Minio, 37 appearances, four goals. Uh, then uh, 2006 to 2007, 2016 to 2017, uh, Pinarolo, 27 appearances, seven goals. And in the end of his career, 2017 to 2018 at Bra, 30 appearances and four goals. Wow. Doesn't feel like it should be a tricky one. But... 
Oh, I think I might have it. It's come from nowhere. It's certainly covered a lot of those clubs. The Torino was 2009 to 2012, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit a little bit late. Oh. Mm. The goal thing's weird is it's pretty consistently midfield numbers. Yeah. And then Monza's into, next one into and then, one into at Monza. And then, then one in thirty odd at Torino, one a season. Yeah. It's a player yeah, there's a player who comes to mind who underwhelmed at Torino. I thought he was there a little bit earlier than that. Two thousand two thousand and twelve would be Venturi. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with who's in my mind after the break. Um, I won't be Googling. Um, yeah, you certainly, certainly, you certainly covered enough of those clubs. So. Okay, we will. Uh, yeah, we'll find out after the break. Cool. See you on the other side. Brought down by his fellow countryman Radonjic. Still, Radonjic goes around the outside. Radonjic, right at the death. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Talking Toro podcast. Um, before the break, I set out a Toropedia challenge to Peter, who has got a very good record. I think we have to admit this. And I, I hoped that uh, the player I picked may have stumped him. Um, does nobody else would go see this? But he looks he looks semi confident. So I think he I think he thinks he's got this one. Um, so yeah, over to you, Peter. I'm not sure. I think I said I'm like 75% sure this. He definitely played for Parma, definitely on Juve's books uh, as a young player. The Samp bit, don't entirely remember. Um, but he would fit in just about that, to that Toro era. The stats at Torino are horrendous, like as a goal a season. And then obviously went to Monza, probably much further down the food chain. and Anyway, I'm waffling. I think it's Andrea Gasparoni. That's my guess. It's correct. Reluctantly correct. Yeah, well played. It's a good. It was a good one. I am quite. I am quite tired. I've been on the road for a few weeks, so, so you, if, know, you, got, you got me out my weakest. If I can't get you when you're tired, how am I going to get you? Um, no, I, do, I, I think. The, I, I think the secret is to go pre 1992, and you'll probably have a lot more success. But yeah, well, maybe I did. I did originally look at that. I looked at somebody in the in the season, the sort of. Um, 89-90 season um, but yeah there's, it, I don't want to go to sort of such an obscure player that like there's literally going to be no chance of getting it because I think that is that's the natural indication the natural thing for me to do whilst I get absolutely battered at these games but uh, yeah I just thought maybe there was there were enough sort of rubbish wingers that we had at that, at that spell you may have just got mixed up with another one but yeah Gasparini um, yeah, my my interesting stat about uh, Gasparini is that he uh, is a Olympic bronze medalist. Oh, and so Sydney was that? Was uh, that I believe Athens, it was right? Athens. Yeah, two thousand four. Okay. Uh, so, and I only realised that because on Wikipedia he's um, Cavalieri OMRIs, which is like the Italian equivalent of MBAs, I believe. Um, so yeah, I was wondering how on earth did he get that, and then I realised that, I, and then Olympic. again. I thought it would have been for a gold medal at the Olympics, at least, but you know, it was only a bronze. No, he was a disaster at Torino. Absolute yeah. disaster. Um, but I think anyway... He, I think he must have left before Ventura signs. Because, uh, yeah, I don't remember him in the promotion season, and that makes sense, 2012. 
I don't, I don't yeah. know. No, because we got promoted in 2012. So, yeah, yeah I just maybe, don't still on, maybe still on the books. Yeah, I don't remember him being at all involved. Whether I don't know if he'd gone on loan to Monza already or, or whether he was just out of the squad completely. But um, anyway, in the, in the meantime, I'm going to do a shout out. I ran. Um, Whilst I was in Budapest on the last day, I did a mass race run there. And to my surprise, there was a uh, chap in, in, in a Toro jersey, a uh, Japanese chap in the kind of Suzuki um, one-off kit that they did last season. Uh, his looked like the real deal, not like the Rob, one Rob ordered from, well, I even say where you, you probably got it from, uh, your Cairo protest. But yeah, if if I didn't I didn't manage to, to get across and, and have a conversation. But yeah, if you're... Your list of the pod, yeah, it was it was good to see a Toro fan in in the centre of Budapest, um, and it must have been bloody hot running in that shirt. That's all I'll say. But um, uh, well, I'm 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 wearing a uh, equivalent of that shirt in uh, a a very warm uh, England at the moment, and yeah, I can I can attest that it is actually very very warm, even to even to just record a pod in. Well, I guess we'll do a quick. Uh, recap of Milan and Genoa. I, I'll, I'll give you mine because uh, Milan I saw caught little bits of. Juric said it was the worst performance of the last four years, which was a bit random because he's not been there for four years. But he obviously decided. <laughs> um, and it, and I and I can also say, having watched Toro in those four years, it most definitely was not the worst performance in those four years. No, but to me, from the outside, it felt again. I said August fixtures, uh, fixtures before. Well, the transfer window shuts are always a bit unusual. From what I could tell, the game hinged on two pretty bad penalty decisions. The referee then got banned for two or three weeks after that game, which indicates he didn't get them right. The fact that he had to go to the monitor for both of them, I think, as well, which is... I mean, yeah. I, mean I have a little bit of sympathy there, because at least then that's like, it's not just that he's made the mistake, it's that somebody in the VAR booth has said, oh, I think there's something for you to look at, and has called into the screen. So it's not just like it's just one person who thought that there's like a mysterious penalty. It's two. Um, so I assume both of them got banned. But yeah, the, I mean, sorry to cut you off there. But the, the first the first penalty, the handball on Bongiorno, is literally one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I mean, it didn't. But it just felt like, I don't know, I watched the highlights on the Serie A YouTube and the highlights were basically just the Milan goals. Uh, it didn't yeah. feel like a lot happened. Again, just feel like a slightly disjointed almost like a pre-season performance again. Like I said, it doesn't the season never really starts properly until the till the transfer window shuts. Um but yeah, I mean it's another another trip to the San Siro where you come back empty handed. Um but yeah Milan have then went and beat Roma. It's not they've obviously started the season in reasonable form. So yeah, I mean it's just I don't like using the term free hit, but it just felt like one we've got it's a big away trip we've got out of the way. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how much more you want to talk about Milan, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously, four-one is, isn't a great scoreline, but again, I think you can sort of caveat that with the, with two penalties. Again, the first one is ridiculous. The second one, I can see a little bit more as to why it's been given, but um, the end, like what what I think in sort of penalty decisions is like how much does that impact what's what's gone on to happen? And in both of them. I mean, the Bongiorno handball sort of hits him on the hand and then hits his chest anyway. So if it hadn't hit him on the hand, it would have just hit him in the body anyway and, it, and we would have cleared it away. None of the Milan players even appeal for a penalty. 
Um, so, I mean, that sort of gives you a first idea that it's, it's not a penalty. The second one, again, the, the challenge by Shears on, on Liao is it's not, I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's almost like the the after effect of, of trying to sort of block it and, and stop the cross. But obviously the ball's in the in the centre, sort of in, in the six-yard box. Liao's on the floor, like Shears sort of, Making contact with him after the after the fact again might be by the rules of football penalty, but it it just it doesn't it doesn't really affect anything. It's just one. It's just a coming together, um, and yeah, I, I thought I thought both of them weren't penalties. They were sort of decisions that you uh, you get Milan would get and and Torre wouldn't at the other end. There's no way that we would have we would have got those penalties, and that's just unfortunately the reality of football and the reality of sort of the the bigger clubs against the so called smaller clubs. Um, but yeah, I think happy to move on uh, from the Milan game. And yeah, well, the, the only thing to say is the penalties t- were well taken by Giroud, but Vanya's record for a twelve-foot goalkeeper is uh, he never really gets that close to any of his penalties. You you feel like one advantage of having such a tall keeper would be that you might eventually save one. But well, I mean, this yeah, this is not it, it's not one of his strong points. I don't think. Um, I mean, again, it, it gone on to um, it gone into the game after and make a really good save against Cagliari as well. So I don't think again, it's it's we can't blame him for it. But yeah, I totally agree with that point. It's for somebody who has got the the physical advantages that he has, he should be at least even coming close to penalties. I mean, I mean, Giroud's, again, I don't even have him a memory of him as being at, at Arsenal and Chelsea. I don't have a memory of him being this unbelievable penalty taker. I don't think he took penalties at both those clubs. So yeah, they're they're very well taken and and Giroud is probably. I mean. I mean, Jury must be what thirty six. Like it, that's almost going back to my earlier point about Zapata at, at thirty two. It's not to say that he, he's finished or, or whatever. It's just a concern, especially with his injury record. But again, if players players nowadays, especially in Italy, with the Italian diets and the fitness regimes, they're able to stay on for much much longer. And um, yeah, Jury is probably the the best example of that. Well, I think the pace of the game suits him a little bit more as well. But yeah, I mean, going Zapata, it might suit him not having European football in the midweek as well. So he may, certain muscle injuries, which maybe <clears throat> from playing too many matches may may not be an issue. Genoa, from the outside, felt a bit like the Cagliari game. I'm just looking at Cagliari. They've gone on to lose the two games since playing us. So this, what we suspected was it was the sort of game we... We should have been winning. I would have been quite interested. I mean, Genoa's squad feels a little bit, it's a bit of a Serie B defence. Um, I would be interested to see how Malinowski and Rotegui played. Um, but from what you said and the highlights I've seen, it looked a dire game. But Torino have done something, did something they haven't done in years and have certainly never done under Juric, which was win with an injury time winner. And I don't think there's a, too many better feelings. And, and Radonjic, again, a backhanded compliment, but it's a opponent straight out of Serie B and uh, I think it's one of the most it's an unusual goal um, I think if we conceded that goal you got we would Daniel would have been absolutely slated and I don't know if the, the goal general goalkeepers had much criticism and I don't know if he should or not but uh, it was an unusual goal um, but yeah it just shows you he, he, he kind of invented something I think the defender may regret not having pulled him back <laughs> Um, but yeah, from 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 what you've said and from what I can tell, it was uh, it was one moment of genius in a pretty dire match. Yeah, I, I, about probably fifteen minutes before the end of the game, I tweeted to say that 
that doctors were considering prescribing Serena Games as a cure for insomnia. Um, I did that in the back of my mind, hoping to sort of for it to worse that's reverse psychology and, and for it to work and something to happen didn't actually think it would but yeah it turned out that we we sort of burst into life in the in the last couple of minutes but um yeah it was i would say a little bit more promising than the general game and then the calorie game rather because i think the opponent is stronger i think if you just look on the players in the field i, th- I think i mean calorie had a lot of younger players um and, and you almost felt that uh ranieri sort of set his team out and you can understand why he sort of opening game of the season, newly promoted side. Let's just try and get a point here. Uh, I thought generally, again, given the fact that they 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 spent big money on Retegui, Malinowski, had the potential to maybe have done something a little bit better in the first half. They they were absolutely anonymous. They they barely. I don't. I can't remember any chance. I don't think there were any chances in the game really. But but Genoa barely attacked. And um, second half, you you thought oh. Again, we're dominating possession, but going to get caught on the on the counter attack here and with a sucker punch. Uh, I think they have, I can remember having one chap one chance that um, Milinkovic Savic almost spit that sort of spilled, but managed to get it away to safety. Um, for the goal again, it's probably interesting to note that obviously Illich was almost almost maybe the scapegoat for the for the Milan game. He was he was taken off at half time after being uh, after being booked. Didn't start this one, uh, even though we played sort of. Three central midfielders, uh, Temeze and uh, Linetti were were preferred. Um, but it's actually, I mean, obviously, Radonjic makes the goal. It's, there's no two ways about that. But yeah, it's it's a nice crossfield board by Illich. Even at the time, and why I can remember this so clearly is that at the time I was thinking sort of Illich picks up the ball in sort of like the right hand side of the um, of the sort of attacking area, and it's like, why have you got your left footed central midfield? That on the the right hand side of the pitch, it would make more sense for him to to be on the left hand side of the pitch to maybe open up that angle. But as it, as it so happens, the the crossfield pass finds Rudonjic, and Rudonjic just it's one of those things that it, it it's a nine, it's a one in a hundred type of uh, sort of type of attack and type of finish. It like it, I I can I've got a feeling that he tried to do something similar in the derby uh, against UV in, in the, the game that he. He ended up getting substituted in. Um, he, yeah, he made he absolutely beats the defender. I'm pretty sure I was trying to double check. But I'm pretty sure that the defender didn't start the game, um, and maybe just sort of caught a little bit cold. And he just absolutely glides past him. Um, and yeah, the again, I don't again probably not the. I don't think if you're going to blame one person, it's it's going to be the defender rather than the goalkeeper. But the keeper hadn't really looked that comfortable all games a couple of sort of parries and just not looking comfortable and in the first half really should have given away a penalty for for sort of kneeing in the back of, of Zapata uh, what's coming to claim the ball so yeah I think maybe a combination of the two but yeah no nice nice to get finally get a uh, injury time winner can you remember the last injury time winner Peter? Um, do you know the answer? I do yeah I know the last two um, I don't. Only, and, and I'll and I'll be honest. I'll hold my hands up. I only know this because I saw a tweet. Um, I don't. To be honest, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be quite boring just me sitting here in silence. Trying, <laughs> so it's just put me out of my misery. Uh, so it was uh, Simone Zaza against Sassuolo. Uh, and oh, of course, yeah. So, so two 0 down, one three two. The one that one was behind closed doors, so no real fans. Uh, obviously, this goal has been compared a lot to the the Churchy goal against Genoa again. 
uh, where he scored two goals in injury time. But the last goal um, injury time winner with fans was Iago Falke against Benevento, um, which really in the Mihailovic. That was really away strange. from home, though, yeah. Yeah, away from home, away from home. We're on, we're on quite a good run then, I think. Yeah, that was again. That was the start of the season again. I think it was we started the season quite well, and um, again that was another, another terrible performance, in it, and we came up with with a goal again. I, it's one of those ones that you said. I think at the start of the start of the episode, how, what difference a goal makes, and the the now there's a little bit more enthusiasm around the club. Um, and I think it's probably going to have a long-term effect, maybe, that now, actually, that's something we've not been able to do under Juric previously. Maybe it gives people a little bit more faith that, actually, in the last five, ten minutes, we do have the, that that ability to to make something happen out of nowhere. I do worry slightly that Rudonic is now going to try this every time he gets the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it was one a, a one in a hundred uh, chance, and, yeah, maybe, not, maybe best he doesn't try it again. Yeah, I know. Close by saying a positive thing. Both home games almost been a sellout. Um, Genoa as well. Good, good. It's not a big distance travel, but good support from Genoa as well. But that's just good to see. And I think, yeah, when you've sold practically sold out the stadium the first two games to to get that late winner, uh, um, what is going to encourage people to come back? Hopefully, rather than having watched two drab nil nil draws. So, we'll, we we shall see. We'll do. Um, Obviously, there's no game this weekend. We'll do a bit of a preview to Selenitana next week. I should be uh, back on familiar territory. We might even might even revive a feature, Rob, um, as well next week, just to um, yeah get creative again. Um, I don't know what what kind of eleven we'll come up with or something, but we'll get there. Um, Maybe an eleven of players who scored last minute winners. Jeez, uh... <laughs> we might struggle to get six. But anyway, on that note, from a sweltering burn and a sweltering part of, what is it, Warwickshire you're in? Yeah, North or... Warwickshire now, North Warwickshire. North, North Warwickshire, no less. Okay. Where all the golf clubs are, very <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, on that note, we'll see you soon. Forza Toro. Forza Toro.